Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The race is on. Testing is now one third over after day two in Barcelona, and it was Mercedes that proved to be the talk of the town with its trick steering system. And with another day of running, have we inched closer to a view of the real competitive order? I'm Ed Straw, and joining me to make sense of it all are Gary Anderson and Mark Hughes. Gary, I'm sure we'll get onto your detailed number crunching in a bit, but do you feel like you've taken a step forward in your understanding today? Um, no, I suppose is the quickest way of putting it. I mean, all we can do is look at what's happening and, and seeing the cars running. Um, today, we had our very first red flag right at the end of the day. And what normally happens with that is that people want to try and do a fuel run-out test to see the fuel system all works properly. It was just after Kimi Räikkönen had done his fastest lap of the day on a on the very soft tire, and two or three two laps later, or something I think he ran out of fuel. So I think, I think you know, well he stopped anyway. Whether he ran out of fuel or not, I'm not quite sure. But it's you know you do do that during tests, and that's what it's for. And if you've got any brain at all, you'll do it either just before lunchtime or just before the evening, because it means the track gets red flagged and everybody stops. But in general, um, looking at where we've got to, there's a bit of a variation in tires, and you know I have no idea of the fuel loads, I would say, you know, that the top, the professional teams don't normally run very light on fuel because, you know, they know they want to do their work. So 50, 60 kilograms of fuel, whatever they're doing, runs. They, as you come down through the, the range of teams, I think you might come down to 30 kilograms or something like that. So, you know, you're not going to get vast differences in it. So the fuel load, anything we would do, as I, I did it last night in, on, a, on my report for the first day, just to show the amount of fuel that it would have taken to have uh, made a difference to last year's times. Um, that could be, again, happening. But anything we do would be guessing. All I've done for today's running is taken yesterday's tyres that were used for their fastest lap for each team, today's tyres that was used for the fastest lap, and I've calculated that to suit everybody running on the medium tyre, which is the C3, which is the, the majority of cars are running that. So it's the least least um, calculations required. So the, you know, the least fudge factors, I suppose you might call it. What we're seeing is Mercedes are, are the fastest. Um, Racing Point are um, next, and they're 0.76 of a percent slower. Uh, I turn everything into percentages because that means we can compare performance around Barcelona to Monaco or M Melbourne or wherever. So I'll turn everything into a percentage. Uh, Red Bull next at 0.87% slower. Uh, Renault, 1% slower than Mercedes. Toro Rosso, 1.1% slower than Mercedes. McLaren, 1.5% slower. Williams, 1.8. Alfa Romeo, 1.9. Haas, 2.2. And Ferrari, 2.2. Now, you know, we know 
Ferrari aren't going to be down there in the end, and they're definitely doing their testing differently this year. But that's where they are at the minute. That's all we can do is look at their lap times. You know, the difference in, in Mercedes's performance to Ferrari's performance is about 50 kilograms of fuel. But we know that Mercedes aren't running about too light. So if Ferrari drain out 50 kilograms and, and, and do the same lap time as Mercedes, Mercedes will drain out you know, 40 yeah. and, and do more or less the same. So Ferrari do look as though they're in a little bit of trouble. What do you reckon, Mark Hughes? Yeah, I would um, concur that Ferrari don't look in great shape, even though it's nowhere near as bad as it looks on the numbers. Um, just from observation on track, it doesn't look a, a great car at the moment. It um, doesn't look great in uh, low speed especially. hasn't got a front end. Um, it's it's well down on straight line speeds, although they say they're running in, in low power mode. But yeah, okay, but it's it's a long way down. It's 20 over 20 kilometers down to the fastest. Um, that 0.7% gap between Mercedes and Racing Point, Gary, that's, uh, I guess, what about half a second on a, a Barcelona lap. Um, 20 kilograms of fuel. Really, yeah, so it's, it's, it's somewhere in the ballpark. It's not, even if, if, even if we say they were maybe running 20 kilos lighter than Merck, they're still less than a second away, aren't they? On that, on, on what we've seen so far, so that that does t- sort of tally that that is a very good car. That new racing yeah, point, no, the new racing, yeah, I think new racing point, it does everything quite well. I mean, again, you're talking maybe you know twenty kilograms, maybe of difference. Mercedes were out today doing long runs, and they were doing you know one minute twenties, so they lost like three seconds with with extra fuel in the car. So I would imagine during their runs that they did this, they would be in the in the ballpark of fifty kilograms, half tanks type thing, because you don't want to over-abuse the tyres by having it full all the time. You don't want to under-abuse the tyres by having it low of fuel. So yeah. you have to do your homework correctly. And the best homework is to run between 60 and 50 kilograms or something like that, 65 yeah. to 55. And I'm sure that's what the top teams would do. So I think Racing Point are... are yeah, I mean, know, talking to Sergio Perez uh, tonight, that at the end he was sort of playing it down, so in very early days we've got a lot of work to do yet, but you could tell just just by the way he was expressing himself, he was quite excited by what he's he's got under him. And he's saying the other thing is that the, the system that they've got in place now, um, that they've got the car ready early, um, and it's what they've got here is you, they know the basis for what they're taking to Melbourne, whereas previously they had just the most basic and with a lot of add-ons to come in Melbourne that they didn't know you know whether they would how they would work um so he's he's the very happy bunny um, um it, it's it's attracted a lot of attention for its visual similarity to the mercedes but i'm more excited by the fact that it's um it's looking very competitive it's it's what we expect from that team in a way though isn't it it's kind of back to normal for a team that has excelled in the midfield pack and they've got more investment so after a couple of really hard years it's it's kind of the natural order that it would be a, a serious midfield threat isn't it yeah, it is. Um, you know, it should be a serious midfield threat, and I think it's actually a little bit better. As I say, obviously, it's it is um, a bit of a Mercedes clone, or whatever you like to call it. But they're they're genuinely standing up and saying, "Well, why not?" And I agree with them. Why not? Mm-hmm. You know, six years of winning the world champ- the world championships, both constructors and drivers from Mercedes, you'd be a fool to turn a blind eye to what to what they did. So you know, we've got thousands and thousands of photographers are hanging around Formula One uh, practices, tests, and races. You know, you can snap those cars, you know, every which angle and take it back and, 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 you know, you can read the pictures and then you can get more pictures taken. So I'm sure that's the route they took, just get a few good snappers um, taking pictures and, and, and copy it. But Red Bull's the interesting one for me because, you know, we look at sandbagging here. If, if anybody's sandbagging 
I think Red Bull are the ones that are sandbagging because I went down to, out the track today and I was amazed. It was Albon driving, but I was amazed at the speed of the car through turn one, two, and three. Two, one, two, and three. I Absolutely. Yes, yesterday it looked fantastic, yeah. that car through now, the, I, I was timing him on my watch, my lap time, um, and he never completed the lap. But the speed he was going at, relative to a few others that were actually doing longer runs, yeah. I agree, was incredible. Yeah. And, and it took me by surprise because I, I did do a comment back to Ed to say that, um, to use an old Fernando Alonso comment, the rest of these cars look like GP2s mm -hmm. um, because that's what it looked like. I, I was amazed and I was amazed that the lap time didn't come so maybe they're just doing bits of the track and yeah. not so fast and other bits, whatever, I don't know. But It's incredibly aggressive and um, direction change there, isn't it? He just, just throws the lock on and it just, just responds instantly. It looks fantastic. But um, So yeah, going back I guess a little bit to what we were saying yesterday, maybe it's just in the speed ranges because he was having difficulty further on than the lap around the slow bits. So yeah, that, that, that's... Yeah, there's def you can see, you, sometimes you can just see there's a lot more to come there in terms of uh, performance. So, If you go further down, Renault, Alfa Torre, McLaren, Williams not so much, but Alfa Romeo, Haas and Ferrari, to be honest, they've got less front end. Mm -hmm. You know, if anything gives up, the car will start to understeer about through turn three, gets them out in the marbles. Um, Williams I was quite impressed with. It it. it you know, it was it was driving on a decent line. Mm -hmm. It probably just doesn't have the grip. Yeah. But it wasn't a bad car by any means. Yep. Not like last year's car, where yep. it was a white knuckle job all the time. So, I think good. You know, done a good job there. Just having a look at the uh, the speed trap uh, times, the P1. Obviously, you mentioned Ferrari sort of being twenty kilometers an hour, which they were generally the absolute peak times. The closest they got, Vettel was clocked at three ten point five. The fastest was Bottas at three two four point three. So even the best possible gap yeah. was uh, was fourteen odd odd kmh, but the, the gap generally was. Yeah, big. So that, yeah, I mean, fuel plays a part in that. Drag levels play a part in that. Programs play a part in that. But obviously, we have seen the change in the engine regulations this year. There's the second uh, fuel flow sensor, which is the same fuel flow sensor, but it's a it's a black box to the well. The, you don't know what it's going to. The yeah, teams cannot yeah. read it. Only the FIA can. Yeah, so yeah. if there were to be any shenanigans going on, the idea being you can't you can't game it. So how should we view what's going on with Ferrari? Because there were all these accusations and suggestions last year. I think until we see a representative performance from them, because what we've seen so far is definitely not a representative performance. The Absolutely, way they're running yeah. their, their program is very different. So until we've seen a representative performance from that car around here, which, uh, you know, whenever we see that, I, th I don't think we can... On, on Just on the speed Z, where's the other two um, Ferrari engine? Well, actually, Roman Grosjean, uh, in the Haas, he's third. So Bottas was fastest, three two four point three, and in fact, actually Kimi Raikkonen was three two three point nine in second place. I missed him. So in the Alpha, which that was on a we think on a fairly low fuel, yeah. And then Grosjean three one eight point eight. So the customer teams are running quicker, and that's that's the big question with Ferrari, isn't it? Because they are running mm -hmm. a program that means you know we're not sitting here saying they're seconds yeah. off the base. They clearly aren't. Yeah, but. It just creates this big question mark. There was a 327 uh, yesterday. There was a 327 from Red Bull and a 329 from McLaren. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, that was, was yesterday. Yeah, there will be a two, and you know the use yeah. of the use of the DRS and stuff. But you know the three Ferrari teams at the minute are the three slowest from my calculations: uh, Alfa Romeo, then Haas, and then Ferrari. Um, the Ferrari engine team. So, you know. Ferrari publicly said they were going to go for downforce and that will create drag, so we can understand the fact they're a bit slower on the straight if they, if they have got that downforce. Um, the other two teams, you'd say, well, okay, they're they're probably lacking in downforce. 
and and hence they probably you know don't have as much drag as well. I'm not saying their cars are more efficient than the Ferrari, but you know once the numbers start climbing and downforce, you have to you have to compromise a bit on the drag. So the fact that three of them are, are the slowest three teams and, and the two customer teams are reasonably quick and the and the works Ferrari isn't sort of. I think there's, there's some understanding there, but Ferrari, for sure, they need to show their show their hand sometime. You can't if they detune the engine and stuff. They're not getting any testing here that will push the engine to its limits. You need to, at some point in time, run everything to its limit to make sure that when you get to Melbourne, you don't have a hiccup coming. So uh, we'll wait and see as time goes by. Well, we should expect to see ever more information tomorrow. It's the final day of the first test, only the third day of testing overall. Of course, only six days in total. So hopefully by tomorrow we'll get. A further narrowing of the uh, of the data and get an idea for people. Loads of people have been doing, and sounds like Lando Norris and the McLaren was doing lots of longer runs, fairly heavy fuel. We saw some plenty of long running from the Mercedes uh, over the over the two days. So it's uh, you know it's all kind of narrowing, isn't it, and and zeroing uh, zeroing in. So I mean, tomorrow, Gary, what do you expect to see? If this is you setting your run program, assuming as everyone pretty much has, you've had. Two relatively smooth days. You've you've done the mileage. What would you be saying to to your guys? Right, we're going to go in, and then nine o'clock pit lane opens. What are we going to do? Well, I think you, you know if you've done the mileage and you're happy that the car is working as you sort of predicted before you came to this test, then you know your development path is is sort of fairly well underway um, to to suit the car you've got. If you want to recognise any problems you've got, but considering that they might not be there at some point in time tomorrow, I would have to say that it would be worth. You know, winding the engine up and dropping the fuel to, you know, not not a low fuel, twenty kilograms, you know, twenty five kilograms or something, and just going out and seeing that the car responds to that weight change. So if you've got fifty fifty kilograms in the car, you take thirty of it out, you know, and and turn the engine up. You should probably go knocking on the door of a couple of seconds faster. So by tomorrow night, we can look at, you know, who the the average times is one thing, but the actual peak time is another thing and uh, you know to do it you have to wring the car's neck and you can see that in the car what I saw the red bull today around turn one two and three was it was it wasn't there wasn't much left there it was quick it was very very quick well we'll have a brief break now we'll be back after this to talk about Mercedes steering and a few other tech points on the cars Well, let's get down to the the really big talking point of the day, which is the Mercedes uh, steering trick, as we call it, trick as in cleverness, rather than suggesting it's some something that's illegal. Although some have uh, have suggested it, uh, it may be the the DAS, the DAS steering system. Gary Anderson, can you give us the uh, the? I was going to say the short summary, but the uh, the the understandable medium length summary of, of the whole thing. <laughs> what are you saying to me? I talk too much. Um, yeah, People they, they understand have medium, it occasionally. They understand medium thing is the problem basically is overheating the inside shoulder of the front tire because the, with toe out on the car and the camber on the car, the, the tire scrubs going down the straight. And also, um, you, you basically that overheats the tire and you end up with potential blisters on the inside shoulder or, a, as you can see many times on TV, the rubber hanging off the side of it because you're just scrubbing that little bit of tire about five centimetres wide all the time. And it's also slowing the car down on the straights. So you have to find solutions to that. Solution is either take the toe out of the car, but you don't want to do that because it makes the car too pointy in at the corner. You point too pointy means the rear of the car is very nervous. You, you need to have the toe out to sort of 
quieten down the front of the car so it doesn't turn so quickly to allow the rear to pick up the grip, which is what gives the driver the confidence. Or you adjust the camber, which you don't want to do because then the tyre tucks under in the fast corners with the lateral forces. So basically you want to keep the camber the maximum that Pirelli allow you to run and you want to keep it too out, so you have to find some other solution to doing that. You can pump up tyre pressures, that reduces a little bit, but that loses grip. So what Mercedes have come up with is a very uh, clever system that basically the driver... Going down the straight has X, he's got the steering wheel towards him as such. When he gets to the braking point, he pushes the steering wheel forward. It could be, you know, three centimetres, four or five centimetres he moves it, you know, a reasonable amount. And basically that puts the toe out on the car, the way the linkage works. Um, there's a there's a, a video on YouTube which you can watch of, you know, a fairly simple little uh, model we built. Um, so basically he's got the toe out in the corner and when he gets to the, comes off the corner onto a straight, he can pull the steering wheel towards him and the toe out reduces to straight ahead or maybe a little bit of toe in. So it does two jobs at once. It's all mechanically linked as far as I know, and that's what you have to do to be legal. Um, the, the, the linkage system we came up with today was, you know, it took 15 minutes to do it, uh, which is, so it's not a, a, you know, a really big job to do. It can be done. Um, so, yes, will it be an advantage? We, we won't know around here. They're just learning to use it around here. It'll be races, other races and tyre degradation where they'll be trying to make it work, you know, as a performance tool. And Mark, this is an interesting area because for the top teams, the whole sort of front suspension, adjusting the geometry dynamically with steering lock, this is a huge area of, of, of development over the past few years. And it's actually, I think, quite a big part of the advantage those big three teams have have got. And this is just another level, isn't it, that, that Mercedes has gone to to, yeah. to to try out this system. Yeah, I, I like that it's um, it's a clever idea, but a simple one. So you can you can grasp what it's about, you know, really quite easily. But yet nobody thought of it yeah, until, push, until now. Push it that way, it yeah, does that. Push yeah. it that way, it does that. And you yeah, and, and it's and, great. You can see the, the and, steering wheel. And, and watching well. the onboard with Lewis, it, it didn't look like it was going to be something that would take any getting used to. You just be, I would imagine, second nature very very quickly. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I guess how much performance will it bring will determine, um, whether teams, you know, go wholesale for it, but I would imagine it's relatively easy to look at and assess the feasibility of, of doing it and trying it out. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. It would be a new steering rack. Um, basically obviously pushing the, the steering wheel forward. Um, when you hit the brake pedal, isn't that difficult because these things break at five or six G. So you know everything wants to go that way anyway. And whenever you're accelerating, they accelerate pretty rapidly as well. So everything wants to come back. So you know everything's working in your favour as far as the driver's concerned. There's no big effort level suddenly required to do it. Um, do, do you have to do it precisely? I think it would sort of do it itself if you let go of the steering wheel. Most of that would happen anyway, just because of the forces. Um, so they would probably have a what we call a little detent, a little ball in the spring, so it's got two positions, click, click. You know, it's either forward or it's backward. Um, so, you know, yeah, I think pretty easy to do. It would mean a new steering rack. A steering rack in these cars are by no means uh, simple. They're a very complicated, uh, hydraulically-assisted steering rack, but uh, it would mean a new steering rack, a new mechanism inside it, um, but not that difficult. And as I said to someone else earlier, if... If you really believed that it was the big benefit and wanted to do it, you'd probably have it on for the first race in, in Europe. Um, the big thing will be tyre degradation. If, can they get an extra lap out of it? Can they get an extra two laps on a stint, three laps on a stint? I wouldn't be surprised if you're looking at that type of improvement. 
you know, two three laps improvement on the on the tire degradation. Um, if you can look after the rear tires now, again, uh, Mercedes has done a lot of work on the rear suspension, which we haven't really seen in detail because it's been covered in the cars. But I'm going to have a a very good snoop tomorrow. I think that's my my mission to try and see what they've done on that. But I think they've they've also worked very hard there to to help the rear tire degradation. Yeah, there's interest innovation going on everywhere. I mean, that that was very visual because we saw the onboard camera. But um, the Red Bull's got a, an interesting front suspension. They, last year, if you remember, they, they had the they introduced the multi-link on the front suspension, and initially it looked as though this didn't have multi-link when when you look at it from above. But apparently, it's it, it is still multi-link, but it, it is um, done from underneath, um, and it's apparently a, an exquisite bit of work that the delighted with um so it, it's all, all all everything is so regulated it's 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 amazing how much innovation can still come out we're seeing two completely different areas of innovation just on the top two cars um it, it's it's fantastic that's the amazing thing and in fact gary you did a, a piece on the race.com website uh, just looking at the rear end of the top three cars and just everything you know the wastegate outlet positions wishbone angles diffuser there's there's differences in all of them and people say all, all the cars look the same but actually even to even to the untrained eye you can sit there and you can look at it and you can see points of difference you can spot the difference even if you don't understand understand what they mean so this is it just shows there's a real real battle waging between those those big three teams still yeah there is a big battle and there's the regulations are stable for from tw- from 2019 to 2020 so it's such as it's all about dotting the i's and crossing the t's all around the car it's not as though you're like 2021, committed to having to design a complete new package. So the teams, with the size they are, the, the big teams like Red Bull and, and uh, Mercedes, they can focus a lot on small detail. And I would say that's what we're seeing, is just lots and lots of small detail that normally you just wouldn't have the time or energy to do because you've got so much to do because of a regulation change. So it is... It's those little bits, you know, they're all small, but they all add up somewhere along the line. And at the end of the day, you get a, a lump sum of, of performance gain. And um, so, you know, we have to see how it'll work. I think it looked pretty good to me. I, my understanding of it and my thinking about why it's there and stuff, I think it's pretty valid. Um, so I believe that there will be a performance advantage. 90% of it, or 99% of it will probably come in races. There will be a little bit of a speed advantage in qualifying to use it down the straights. Uh, because if you can imagine, whenever the tyres are new, we always see, put new tyres on the car, the car goes slower down the straight than it does on older tyres. So the, the grip of the tyre being pushed down the straight of the front tyres scrubbing on a new tyre does affect the speed quite dramatically. So there will be a small advantage in qualifying, but I think a big advantage will come in the race. And just uh, digressing a little bit, there's uh, a story that's just gone live on our website on the race.com by Scott Mitchell about the fact Red Bull had to change their Honda engine. Uh, because and this shows you the scale of it. They they found something on the dyno in Japan that concerned them a bit about uh, about a, a certain part, the precautionary change, but that made them, them change the engine because they, obviously something showed up. It just got to show it's not just about what's going on here. It's not just about what's going on in the UK at the factory. It's what's going on in Japan. Just the the, the sort of three hundred and sixty degreeness, for want of a better phrase, of, of the whole thing. The amount of data that that's going through to, for this testing is absolutely phenomenal and although people complain about it and we all like the idea of kind of a small racing team all sort of hands-on everything sort of mechanically linked together it's all in the here and now it is at, it is worth just once in a while stepping back and just going how astonishing it is that this is all going on 
the same time. That's that's what the hundreds of millions of pounds buys you. Well, if you you know just sort of relating it to to aircrafts, I mean, if you ever go to the Boeing factory or any of these aircraft manufacturers, you'll see planes sitting there on a multi hydraulic rig that basically are deflecting everything physically possible, accelerated to the maximum loads or deflection that they w- they witness in reality in the flight. So you know it might take a, a seven four seven you know five years to to go through all this scenario of loads and, and deflections of wings and stuff, but at the Boeing factory they're doing that in, in five months. So they can pick up cracks in, in surfaces or skins or whatever earlier and get repairs done for it, all that stuff. So they're way, way ahead of the game. And that's the same as happened in Formula One. You know, people about factories are taking wishbones and front wings and rear wings and engines and gearboxes and you know, more or less, you know, testing them to destruction or close to destruction. So if somebody here at the factory sees, you know, a load over a curb that they've created and, you know, suddenly it's it's ten percent more than the load that they've um, tested all the suspension to, um, that'll go back to the factory and they'll be putting those components that suffered that load um, onto the rig or the same components and, and running it ten percent higher and seeing if it's if it's okay. And Honda are doing exactly the same with engines. There's probably two or three of them on Dinos going for mileages of you know equivalent to six seven thousand kilometers so you've got to be ahead of the game and that's that's what this is all about just being ahead of the game it's a big thing isn't it the whole all this simulation work in fact mark as you were talking earlier about the alfa romeo simulator mm. situation they they were there johnny come lately should we say to the simulator revolution which yeah. pretty much was starting two decades ago now wasn't it It was mclaren that really started to pioneer it, the driver in loop simulator i'm talking about here where you have the, the driver uh, uh involved and the fact that's a genuine disadvantage for, for Alfa Romeo and it's one that's going to take a while, yeah. very long lead time to get sorted, just tells you how important all of these things are to, to making it work. Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably even a, 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 neg- a negative initially while you're you know, you're devoting resource to understanding it and getting it to work. Um, and they're saying, you know, conservative estimate, maybe 18 months before it's a, a regular tool that we can use every day and, and know that it's, it's, it's helping us. So it's you know yeah yeah but it, that level of excellence and and devotion it, it, it goes right through if you just watch watch a routine pit stop or uh, there was a Red Bull came in earlier on and they needed a, a part change and you just watch how synchronized everyone is and in a normal world in a normal paid job to get a bunch of people that motivated to be at that level of excellence all the time as normal it's impossible to conceive you could do it and yet it's it's just normal in, in formula one in racing isn't it but just to fill in a little story here of the past uh, 1990 the jordan 191 um, we're talking about wings loading them up and testing them and stuff you know like they do now on, on rigs front and rear wings and whatever and uh, our way of doing it was to go down the builders the builders yard buy some uh, 25 kilogram bags of sand and uh, put <laughs> mount the front wing and the nose onto a, a rig and stick bags of sand on it to the loads that we thought the wing would go through and thought was the, the right word, um, measuring the deflection of it and listen for noises um, and the same with the rear wing. But, you know, it worked. So that's all you had at the time. So what do you, what do, you do? It's better to do that than, uh, than do nothing. So, um, yeah, times have moved on a lot. It's funny, isn't it? Because that sounds crude. But it's still just a simulator. It's a much. It's just a lower res simulation, really, isn't it? So actually, what you were doing then and what's happening now, it's the same thing, just on a just on a very different level of resource. It's, it's same thought process, the same philosophy. It's just different tools. Yeah, yeah it's exactly the same. The, the old uh, the old thing. If you put the, uh, <clears throat> you can stick the sort of tufts all over the car and drive it through the air, photograph it. 
that's your kind of wind tunnel. The world is your wind tunnel, shall we say? That used to be an old well method. One of the things we had a, a, a problem. Um, I forgot time for this other story. We had a problem with the Jaguar I designed for twenty twenty uh, for oh, twenty twenty for uh, two thousand. Was that the one that was fighting for the championship? That was the one that the, the drivers thought would fight for the championship, <laughs> but it wasn't. Always the driver's fault. No, not really. I mean, we, we tested the car initially, and the car was good. Both Johnny and Eddie thought that Johnny Herbert and Eddie Jordan and Eddie um, Irvine thought the car was was pretty good. And that was around Barcelona here, and um, you know, yeah, we were on on song. First race, there was a few things happened that shouldn't have happened because Cosworth did some stuff to the. We we basically oiled the gearbox with uh, the excess oil from the engine rather than having separate pumps and stuff on to save weight. And uh, there was a filter on the way back, and and Cosworth decided to be clever and put in a, a three micron filter instead of a twenty micron filter. Um, so basically they all never come out of the gearbox and we lost a couple of gearboxes with it and one thing like that. But anyway, that was one problem. Easily fixed with a big screwdriver rammed through there um, for the race with a screwdriver <laughs> rammed through the filter in, a, in my one of my bad moods. Um, but the, the main problem was the diffuser and we once we went to the hot circuits and stuff, suddenly the rear instability came about and you know at the time, there's lots and lots of reasons for it, but at the time I was pretty confident we had a problem with the diffuser and systems within the Ford relationship held us up from doing anything with it. But we ended up going to um, an airfield in, in England. We got a fairly decent camera to stick up the back of the diffuser um, because we couldn't detect any other way. Stick up the back of the diffuser, filled it full of wool tufts, and uh, we had an active, built an active rear suspension so we could drop the car down to the ground like high speed and then jack it up quickly like braking. Um, and basically, the, you know, the part of the diffuser where you stall it to get straight line speed get the car low the the, the um wool toss would just drop so there, you know, it was turbulent and it was it was uh stalling um jack the car up and it would take almost one and a half seconds before they would reattach and that was you know that's the braking zone into any corner so the the driver on the way into the corner had no rear stability whatsoever aerodynamically so we we actually went, went to halford um other other shops are available to buy body filler um made some little inserts for it that night at the airfield, um, rubbed them down and made them all nice and tidy, put the wool tufts on the next day, ran it again, wool tufts would fall as normal, but the minute the car moved it would reattach again. And we ran those those padding inserts at the last two races of the year and the car was, was suddenly a, a whole different deal. Yeah, um, as quick as Sepang and Suzuki would have been, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It was, but it was a whole different quick. deal and obviously during that period in time we had we'd lost ourselves with the setup of the car because whenever you've got a problem like that you, you always try to fix it somehow botch it up with the setup and you, you never get there so suddenly just that fix and the car was quick and, and we never really got on top of the setup in, in two races so um, annoyed about that to be honest um, and I told our MD at the time what I thought of him in America and he didn't like it very much so I got the sack <laughs> <laughs> that's life as so, so many of your stories <laughs> end guys so many that's <laughs> life <laughs> <laughs> but again th you know this is what the teams will all be doing maybe very powerful simulation tools but some of them will have things they don't understand from what they've learned from the, the aero sweeps they've done and they'll be trying to look for these little things that trip them up so yeah exactly the same uh, same thing well uh, one more day of testing to come tomorrow so we'll have uh, another podcast then to draw some conclusions from the first test and then of course another week of testing or well, three days of testing rather next week so please do uh, subscribe to the podcast give us a positive review if you if you liked it and yeah please keep listening <laughs>